welcome Mr. Mark Harrison from Crestron. He's joining us today, the first guest in our new podcast studio. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, Mark, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so um, work with uh, Crestron Electronics. I've been in the industry for about 25 years now. Um, worked with Crestron for 10 years. Um, other than that, I've had my own programming company. Uh, worked on the integrator side as a design engineer. Started out as an installer many years ago. Um, and just kind of worked my way up through the industry. So being with Crestron for the last 10 years, currently as the technical director for the region, um, I just get exposed to and get to see a lot of different technologies and things that are going on, not only for the integrators and the way they're designing things, but also for our enterprise partners as well as our education partners and what their requests are. Excellent, excellent. And so um, you mentioned the region. What does that cover exactly? Uh, So the region I cover is Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and Arkansas. Okay. Um, We call it TOLA. Um, I've had other folks say that uh, you should call it a lot because it's a big area geographically. Um, so yeah. Why is it that New Mexico gets, is it just because it doesn't roll off the tongue as well as Tola? So New Mexico just gets left out. It's like a, a stepchild to that's, the side. That's west. That's, uh, that, that goes to our west region out there. Yeah, <laughs> It's literally connected to Texas. Yes, and yet when you're in El Paso, you're closer to L.A. than you are DFW. Was <laughs> <laughs> it like 900 and some odd miles? Yeah, yeah it's 12 days. It's yeah. Uh, we've also got our head programmer, Chris Meacham, joining us today. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, sir. How are you? Excellent. So uh, tell us a little bit about your history here at Taurus. Uh, I've been with Taurus just over 12 years now. Um, kind of Once again, started as an installer and worked my way up and just seen Taurus and the AV industry in general just blow up over the last So those years. that are viewing the podcast may sit there and say, there's no way he's been here 12 years. He, he looks I, like he's 25 right now. I find it hard to believe myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Can't you believe guys you made both. it this long. Thank you guys <laughs> both for joining us. Uh, we look forward to it, uh, kind of mashing some ideas, talking a little bit, a little bit about technology today. I think it's going to have some fun. Well, so that's great. Our topic today is... HD base T and AV over IP. So that's part of the reason we brought Mark in here. He's essentially this area's uh, leading expert on that. I don't know if that's that's too much to say, but well, uh, we definitely need to keep the bar a little lower than that. A little, little lower than that. <laughs> yes. And then the reason we invited Chris is well, he's the feet on the street, man. He's mm-hmm. the one actually. Yep. Uh, making sure all these systems work for all of our customers and, and providing feedback to Crestron, providing feedback to our sales folks and our design engineers for the gotchas we run into because they exist. So I think the biggest thing uh, I'd want to bring up is the primary differences between HD-based T and AV over IP. One of you care to weigh in on that? So, yeah, um, so HD base T versus uh, video over IP. So what are the two? Uh, HD base T is a standards that was out, has been out for about 10 years, ever since we first started doing a digital media or a digital video system um, and distributing video around. HD base T allowed us to really overcome the cliffs that were out there with an HDMI signal path, which was about 30 to 35 feet was the longest signal or longest cable that you could put in. Um, As you guys know, working with an integrator, Rarely are the source components within 35 feet of the display across the enterprise or across the building. And Almost so, never. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, if, you know, that's your, that's your home theater, 
right? That's not really in the in the commercial space. Maybe, maybe your home theater. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have. Seen, have you seen Roberts? I, 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 okay. I, I don't All have right. a home theater. I'm, I'm, I'm not on that level, Corey. <laughs> Remember, bar lower. Got it. Sorry. But then, but so HD based T was this standards base that came out, and it allowed us to all push video around um, longer distances than that thirty five feet, while still maintaining the quality of an HDMI signal path or your high definition signal. Uh, video over IP is actually utilizing the network infrastructure that's in a building. Uh, the difference is really in the two. And Chris, feel free to jump in and interrupt me anytime because I'll I can go for days. Um, the difference in the two is HD base T requires a closed network, if you will, or a fixed chassis. So we've got these fixed chassis sides. And what does that mean? Um, so how many computers do you want to be able to, how many places do you want to be able to plug your computer in and present in this room? Say four. So I need four inputs. How many displays do we have in this room? Well, let's say that we have more than we have. Let's say that we have six. So I need four inputs and six outputs. So I can use an eight input by eight output HD base T chassis. And now we can use work within this fixed system or fixed chassis size, if you will, uh, where that becomes a challenge is what if I've got that ninth display? Cause most of us as manufacturers, we make these chassis in um, flavors of eight. Okay. So it's eight by eight, 16 by 16, 32 by 32 and so forth. That's kind of a, been an industry standard, even it was back a, in the analog days, right? Yes, so uh, you guys could have, you guys, restaurant anybody could have made those chassis sizes anything 12 by 12 right yeah yes yeah it's, it's been a, a standard for years or a, an assumed standard if you will where we everybody's just kind of done it seems it like a weird standard to adopt <laughs> I, I mean I feel like somebody just sat around in a room and said you know what we're just going to do this in flavors of eight I, I think they were looking at the back plane and saying how many more can we put on there <laughs> i got one more look it's not a seven by seven it's an eight by eight now what? nobody like, wants to do odd numbers yeah, exactly. listen I, I like round numbers i'm good with it <laughs> um so but the challenge becomes is that ninth display how do we get a unique source on that ninth display well now we go to a 16 by 16 chassis and we're asking our end users to absorb that that price because there is a substantial price difference between an eight by eight chassis and a 16 by 16 um, even if it's not fully populated with cards there's still a cost difference in those two chassis so with video over ip what we can do is for that ninth one we're just leveraging a network switch and Chris, you brought it up. Uh, you know, we've got a 48-port network switch in the in the rack. That can be a 12-input, 36-output, 36-input, 12-output switch, if you will, using leveraging video over IP. And so now for that ninth display, we literally just add another box, and we can grab any of the eight inputs that are available to us in, throughout the, the the system at that yeah. point. And I think a, a big benefit where, I mean, HT base T still has its place in, in the industry. Absolutely. I mean, it, it still does. It's not, you don't have to go all out on one or the other. Um, and I think one of the biggest benefits of the, the AV over IP is your, your one to many kind of circumstances where you do have one, you want to send out to 30 displays or you've got, 30 or the other way around. It could go the complete opposite. Um, where well, that's you're, not, where, you're not locked into those. That's where a fixed frame chassis stops making sense. Is like, what right. am I going to do with all of these, especially a card based chassis where all of these inputs are basically blank? Yeah. Uh, you know, an eight by eight with one input card and eight full outputs. Yeah. Or, it, God forbid, you start cascading physical switches. Right. Well, and, and the challenge becomes that I see at least, and you guys feel free to, to correct me on this because you're out there in the field. Uh, working with the end users a lot more than I am these days. Um, 
the challenge that I always saw is you've got a customer that wants to do this, and the system you designed for them today is not the system that they end up retiring eight years from yeah. now. And so you lose – you don't have that um, flexibility with that HD-based T system that you're going to get with a video over IP right. system. Well, I mean, if uh, I'm in, you know, my office and I just want I just want my PC up on my own personal monitor there that's on the other side of the room, I'm not going to do an AV over IP system for something like that. Well, until uh, the cost comes down, you might. <laughs> I mean, that's that's in the another, reason. Go. In another 10 years, absolutely. I mean, I'm I not running our I don't even know if it's 10 years. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think everything the, speeds up. you're talking about doing a mix and match. The reason we would consider a mix and match today would be cost. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and and well, how how long, Mark? I mean, four or five years from now on I mean, cost. Well, yeah. I mean, till cost is the same as HD base T or even less. Um, well, let's just go with I'm not prepared to go that deep into that conversation. <laughs> I, figured, I figured not. Okay. But but I'd love to see you guys at Infocom. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> In June, a teaser there. Uh-oh. Teaser right. there for the folks. So um, HD base T, just kind of sticking with that thought process, which we've known for. I mean, what is it, Mark? Is it is it about a decade or so? Yes, 2010. Yeah. Since since digital media came out, it's been about 10 okay. Years. Um, so HD base T is is like you mentioned a standard, mm-hmm. and and it's our understanding, and we want the the public to know the HD base T is the standard. Now there are different products that fall within side of HD base T compatibility. Correct. Um, and so you can actually do some mix and matching with devices. Uh, not only from Crestron, but as an industry standard, as long as it's carrying this this HD base T qualification, right? You can, as long as you're not trying. Well, okay, yes, to answer your question. So it's kind of a loaded question. With our HD base T with digital media, we put other stuff inside of it. So while our digital media system is HD base T, our traditional digital media system is HD base T, HD base T is not digital media because we also embed control and some other things within that HD base T signal. Um, so yes, um, if it's, you're just looking for video over that signal path, then typically HD base T to HD base T or even HD base T light is going to work from a video, video compatibility situation. So what I'm hearing is that you're meeting the standard and exceeding it. Always. Okay. That's, that's that's the goal. Well, (laughs) so it, it really is. And while we're on that, you know, one thing that it's, I love working for this company because they challenge us every day. Um, I never get to rest because there's always new technology that comes out. And right after digital media launched, 18 months later, we completely changed the way we were handling HD base T and on a product that was baked, released out in the wild, we didn't have to redo anything, but our engineering staff yeah, just turned around and redid it. <laughs> yeah, you did. There was but nothing okay. else at the time. I so like how you said out in the wild. I'm definitely going to use that. Yeah, oh, that's fair. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think I think the Madagascar. important thing to mention about that, Robert, is at least from my perspective, HD base T. Uh, they have kind of set set the standard or stuck to a standard rather. So there's a lot of interoperability between multiple brands as it relates to the video transmission portion. Everybody's mm-hmm. kind of putting their own special sauce on on the back end or on the side of it, um, and when we start talking about this in a minute, we're going to talk about the algorithms used for AV over IP. And that's not there yet in the way that HD base T is. So some of that interoperability isn't there yet. Right, Mark? I mean, is it, it, it's not. And, um, you know, my argument for that against that would be is why, 
I mean, at the end of the day, I'm an enterprise person. You know, we talk about the user experience with our systems, right? The user experience isn't having the meeting. It's owning the system. It's not only having the meeting, but it's their, their use of the system, their support of the system. Everything involved in the life of that system is their user experience. And having 15 different manufacturers for your video system is a horrible user experience, number one. Um, and there's no management tools that's going to give you that. So why does it matter if the video standards work within each other? If, a, if it's properly designed, honestly, it's going to be one brand. That way you get a single dashboard to manage and deploy and monitor all these systems. And the uptime is going to be greatly maximized by a single brand. And also support. I mean, it's going to be much easier if you do stick to one. Although, I mean, you got multiple manufacturers. You're going to start getting a lot of finger pointing yeah. and, and everything else that, that we run into even today. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate okay. for a minute. Please. I went to XYZ Company and I bought a bunch of streaming products and mm. I spent my budget. Okay. But I'm not necessarily happy with the product. And then I meet Robert. And Robert says, yeah, we've run into these issues with this. Um, we have this product that will solve all of your problems. Okay, that's great. Um, can I just buy a couple of these to fix a few of these rooms and it, ha and it be um, have interoperability with XYZ company? And I think um, that's important to the customer who is – minding their budget properly and can't necessarily forklift in an entire I, environment. I think it's it's incredibly challenging on the integrator side when you run into that. I also think it's incredibly unfair to take anybody's solution and mix it with the product that they've already said they're unhappy with, and now they're judging your product with these other systems that are interoperable that they don't like, and they don't know if it's those products or if it's your product. I, I just think it's a it just that's a really muddy situation, and that requires on you guys then a lot of customer management and perception management around yeah. those things. Uh, well, it I might, think it's something you absolutely try at all costs to avoid. I mean, at the end of the day, our job's education. Well, I mean, just within the view of this room, we have four different displays that all take an HDMI input, no problem. Uh, you know, lots of people, lots of people are are building in interoperability seamlessly. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying that Crestron necessarily should jump on a bandwagon and build products that work with inferior products by no stretch. But again, playing devil's advocate, it's something that has come up as, as recent as uh, Q4 last year for us. Sure. We, you know, we went to uh, survey a site and they're like, well, we have all of this stuff. Uh, it, it's not great, but it works. What do you recommend? And, and that's that's the boat we got into. It, it's unfortunate. And, and unfortunately, Corey, you're, you're going to run into it again. You know, you'll probably run into it in the next 30 days. It's just it's an unfortunate situation, but uh, but it exists. Yeah. Um, so as we, as we merge our conversation from HD base T over to AV over IP, mm -hmm. um, we're going to have a lot of customers that, like Chris mentioned, he used the example of, uh, maybe today they just want to present from their desk location to their monitor in their their office where they have a small conference room. Um, but maybe what they envision is adding the ability to really pipe that signal out to the rest of the company if uh, the CEO wants to sit in his office and give an all-employee broadcast. So I, I'm assuming that it's pretty simplistic for us to use some HD-based HD T technologies and start to also 
you know, bring in AV over IP technologies. I think I heard you allude to that a little bit earlier. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're seeing a lot, not a lot, but a fair amount, is these hybrid systems, right? We have this fixed architecture system in the HD base T, but now it's like, oh, I've got five conference rooms, but the conference room everybody likes to use only holds 12 people, and we want to do a meeting room with 20. But we've got this other room that holds 12. How can we do overflow from this room to that room? And by simply taking an input from room A, if you will, where your main uh, presenter is going to be, putting that into a streaming or video over IP solution, um, you can have another video over IP decoder in room B, and now you have the, your HD base T system for that room, but you're leveraging the power of uh, video over IP for your overflow areas. Gotcha. Okay. And with this IP, I mean, that overflow room could be across campus. Absolutely. It, it doesn't have to be just right next door or anything like that. Yes, yes, which is going to be a lot more powerful than the HD base T because we do have some, I say we have distance limitations. I mean, we can go to a single mode fiber and overcome most of those, but how many people actually have a single, mo single right. mode fiber or a tunnel underneath their campus where they can run it? Some do, yeah. but, but it, it's not realistic in every situation. So that's, that's a good segue. So with HD base T systems, unless you use Crestron as an example, um, we won't use anybody else since okay. you're sitting here. I appreciate um, that. And let's say we had a we had an eight by eight chassis, and we had a few transmitters, a few native sources plugging into the chassis, and we're going let's say 300 feet over to a projection system, multiple projectors. Let's use that as an example. Is there latency involved in HD based T technology? There's always latency. Um, you know, you see marketing things that come out that say zero latency. Um, no, there's, there's latency in my voice right now from when it leaves my mouth to when it hits Corey's ears. Um, and that's live in this room. So there's always latency. I think it's important to talk about perceived latency. Okay. And so first of all, with, with scaling in traditional HD base T, there's 17 milliseconds of latency in scaling. Uh, when you start scaling video back up and by scaling, I mean, we're changing resolution. Sure. So we're going from 1080p up to 4k for the display that's scaling. Now we're, we've introduced 17 milliseconds of latency, um, and that's HD base T. It doesn't matter what you're using except for our new uh, Intipix solution, which we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, but with that latency, is that perceived? You know, what is 17 milliseconds? You know, Corey asked the, before we got started, we were, we were kind of laughing about it, and our propellers were going on our hats, you know. Yeah, we're all geeks. We get it. <laughs> uh, but we were talking about what is perceived latency. Can you really see 17 milliseconds? I mean, that's 17 thousandths of a second. Yeah. Um, let's go with no. You can't see that. You can't hear it. You don't even get lip sync issues at that. But it does exist. So with video over IP, the solution, and we're talking about latency here, the, the solution or the, the issue has always been, can I get my video encoded, pushed out over the network, decoded on the display where I could use my mouse, you know, so there's a, there's enough, no latency, if you will, or the latency is low enough that I could use my mouse and have it look and appear like it was a direct connection. Um, there's latency with your mouse plugged directly into your computer, but it's not perceivable. What do you think that benchmark is? What, what do you think the standard for, it, you know, it's for the years, industry for years, it's been um, talked about as 30 milliseconds. I think with the introduction of, Digital, um, we've really, we've lowered that standard down. It's probably about 25 milliseconds today is what we're looking at, which is 25 thousandths of a second before you can actually start perceiving it. Most people, they're not going to see it at 30 milliseconds, realistically. 
But, of course, as soon as you start running something at 30, 32, 33, 34 milliseconds, you're going to have that one guy that's going to say, or that one person that's yeah. going to say, oh, I have lip sync issues. And that that's the day you're going to send your tech in that can't hear, you know, but he's not going to hear it. He's not, it's not going to make any sense to him. Um, but, yeah, I think 25 milliseconds is the Well, the thing you brought up, you know, is what's perceivable. Uh, and, and I'd agree somewhere between 50 and 100 milliseconds things start to become – Noticeable. You drag your hand and you start to see the mouse move or, or it's, you know, it's not quite in the exact same spot. Right. Um, and I think the the argument that Robert and I and even Chris on occasion will see is uh, when we're talking to a customer, uh, the buzzword latency is thrown around. Yeah. And it's, well, I have video conferencing, so I have to have no latency. Or you know I have funny? an emergency operations center. I have to have no latency. You know what cracks me up about that? Nobody talked about latency with HD base T, so therefore there wasn't any. Right, yeah. exactly. It's like, okay, well, so we, we created our own monster by even acknowledging it existed. Huh. <laughs> well, and, I, and I'll, I'll be honest, um, you mentioned 17 milliseconds of latency and scaling. I didn't know that number I, prior to today. I mean, I knew that there was latency involved. It's actually about 30 milliseconds on HD base T is what you end up with by the time you, you encode Total it. sum. Yeah, total sum. Uh, point to point, you're running about 30, maybe 28 milliseconds in latency. and But no one's ever noticed it. No one's ever mentioned it. Everybody says, oh, this is awesome. So, therefore, there's no latency. Right. As soon as you talk about streaming, everybody watches Netflix and they see the buffering, which everybody thinks that's some magic word. That's called latency, folks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, not, that's not buffering. Buffering <laughs> or the commercial before your video loads yes. is a place to hide the buffer and the, lat yeah. it, the latency. I mean, yes. it, it's not... It's it's not trickery. It's it's done on purpose. Yeah. And and I think the thing that's important to educate, you know, everybody out there listening, all of the sales folks, all of the engineers is latency again exists in in everything you do and don't get caught up in a latency argument with a customer. It's easy enough just to say, "Hey, latency exists in this did you know with HD base T um, you know, Deep color four four four. You're going to be as much as fifty or sixty milliseconds by the time you're done processing and scaling that uh, that image. Except for so uh, with with the new the Intipix solution that we're done. And so NVX is our streaming solution that that we released uh, a little over a year ago, mm -hmm. and uh, it was JPEG two thousand based. I know we're going to talk about algorithms here in a little bit, but what we did was after that same thing as with the original DM release. Once we released it, we started looking, how do we make this better? And we did the same thing with our NVX products. Like, how do we make this better? Um, it was already at a zero perceived latency, but there's got to be a way to make it better. So we actually redid the entire way that our video is encoded and decoded using a Intipix solution. And we're down to nine milliseconds. So, and the reason I bring that up, nine milliseconds, what is that? So how many frames a second do we draw? We talk about 4K 6444. And that's 60 frames a second. So the, our displays, our TVs, are actually drawing um, 60 frames every second. First of all, there's no such thing as motion video. There's just really fast still pictures, right, that makes, us look, makes it look like it's full motion. So at 60 frames a second, I took and I had my laptop running a time clock that was th went to three digits. So it went to the thousandth of a second. I, d I ran that on my laptop. I pushed it into the MVX system out to a display. And then I grabbed my camera and just hammered the pictures, just bang, 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 as fast as I could take pictures with it. Three out of four pictures, the time clock was exactly the same on the source component as it was on the display. 
because at nine milliseconds, we're almost faster than a frame of video. No one can see 60 frames of video a second. I mean, it's just, it's out of the human capabilities. So anyway, so on latency, yeah, it, it, today with the technology, it's really, it can be a non-issue depending on what you choose for your video over IP solution. And also, I mean, the latency can come into play where depending on what you're doing, it might not even be an issue at all. If you're just sure. doing digital signage out somewhere, yeah. I mean, does it really matter that it showed up 17 milliseconds later on the display than it does on the laptop you've got in a closet somewhere? Right. It has no bearing. I definitely yeah, right. think it's not going to come up with digital signage, right, Robert? I, I, I think the argument we're getting, again, is your emergency operation centers where they're... Type. Live venues, really places, stuff live venues. Yeah. where you're seeing the actual live person and it up on a display in the same space. Yeah, and I, I think w as we cover latency as a whole, that's really what, when you're, when you're meeting with a client, you really need to understand their space type and their right. expectations um, as we're building these solutions, whether it be HD-based or AV over IP, um, and, and then understanding what they're expecting. Because I don't want to walk into, uh, you know, a knock and and put up a huge video wall. It's running twenty four seven, and they and they need to have the best of the real time yeah. and use something that won't give that to them. That could literally be life and death. I yes, mean, th that's 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 mission critical. Yeah, mm -hmm. at that point. Well, so the other big thing that seems to come up aside from latency is is bandwidth, and it may not <laughs> it may not come up from. The end user so much so, you're going to get that from, pardon me, <clears throat> from your network professionals who are responsible for standing up these networks for the products we're installing and selling. And so bandwidth is always a big key factor in not only our ability to design and sell the product, but explaining it in a, in a manner that the customer, the end user and the IT professionals can understand, and not that they don't understand bandwidth, but how the AV over IP products are going to impact their network from a bandwidth perspective. Yes. The, the thing that comes up for me, and Chris, I'm sure you, you run into this or can input on this as well. Please do. I have going to them all the time. So I need one gig per port, and the IT guy's going, I don't give that for data. There's no way you're getting that for AV. And the instant shutdown on the information. And the reality is with today's network switches that are out there and the infrastructure parts that are available, readily available, frankly, um, you don't need one gig per port. You need one gig per video port. The rest of it, video doesn't go to those ports if you're implementing your switch configuration properly. Right. Um, well, and that's it. That's a, I think that's a key conversation to have is it's, it's, an, it's an easy buzz thing to say one gig a port. Well, yeah. I have in my network here, what, uh, three or 400 some odd ports. <laughs> so that's what you want from me? Yeah. No, 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 no. Hang on. Let's back up. Right. How many, how many sources and how many destinations are we talking about? 20? Okay. Well then I need a gig, I need a gig per port, but. But not from them because we're going to create the gig right. on the video encoder. So we're not asking them for that in throughput from the internet to give me a gig of port and. Our challenge, being an AV guy, traditional AV guy, not coming from the IT world, I didn't know how to have a conversation with an IT professional and, and actually communicate what it is we were looking for. And so until I had honed my skills up to the point where at least I could at least understand the vocabulary they were talking, 
I couldn't even have those conversations. And so it was always no was the answer they would give me because I didn't know how to have that conversation. And I think that's our challenge in the industry is how do we get better talking to the IT folks? Because not only is, are we talking video over IP, but we've got audio over IP now as well. We've got control. We've been doing control for years USB, that way. I mean, all, there's all kinds of stuff. Yes. I mean, we are forced to interact with them. Um, every single project we're interacting with the ITs. And, and 10 years ago, it wasn't that case. No. You know, I mean, it just wasn't. Most of the time, it was a facilities manager. Yeah. Um, the very last person I think that you had probably talked to is, is, was a, someone in IT. Could, can you imagine, Robert, going into a facility today and the IT guy being there and saying, oh, no, we don't need to talk to you today. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get with you in two months when my guys show up. No, I'm afraid that I would get uh, I would get chewed out. Let's just say you probably, would, <laughs> you probably would. Yeah, you probably wouldn't get a second opportunity to go <laughs> no. back in there. No, sir. Yeah. Well, and so that that brings up a good point, and and we're not going to do a deep dive on network today, but is that something we should deep dive? I mean, it, it, and and what I mean by that is, sure, we all have a pretty good understanding of network infrastructure and and port requirements and bandwidth requirements. And how that that how that impacts a customer's network, but is there any interest in having a conversation so that everybody listening um, has a better understanding of what the real impact on a customer's network is um, as it relates to AV over IP? I mean, we're going to touch on all these subjects, and, it's and vital. that's that's great. But we could talk for an hour solid just on security, latency, and bandwidth. Absolutely, and security is the other one. You know, so we're talking about video over IP, and I'm kind of jumping through this thing. But uh, video over IP, we're, all of a sudden now we're on the customer's network. If you are not prepared from a security measure to support your 8021X, your SSH, your SSL, your Active Directory, I mean, all the security protocols that are out there for that the IT professional is insisting on, that is not a viable product in the enterprise solution. Um, it's just not. You know, so, and, and why is it important? Remember when Target was it a couple years ago at Christmas time, and that the everybody's information got oh, out yeah. after Christmas mm-hmm. for Target or whatnot? Do you know how that that? Inf- I, I don't shop at Target, <laughs> not because I, of that. I do, um, <laughs> but your yeah. wife does. Yeah, she does. So he, he doesn't okay, shop. So, I'm trying so, to cut so, it off yeah. though, because she spends a lot of money. It's impossible to go into Target without spending a hundred dollars. No. It's kind of like Costco. Oh, I, I get in trouble at Costco. Oh, yeah, I do, yeah, too. big time. I end up buying clothes there yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. This isn't a Costco shirt, but I do have Neither a Neither is this one. This one was a free <laughs> shirt. Uh, you have to pay for this one. Uh, my, uh, my problem is the, uh, the the butcher and meat section in the back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, but anyway, but back to this. <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know how that infiltration happened? How they got into Target's network to do that? How? They didn't go through the firewall. They went into an appliance on the network. Okay, and then got into the network through the appliance because the appliance was talking to things outside the network. And so, as we, as a manufacturer, we're making things that live on this network. If someone can get into that network through our device, how many times do you think the enterprise folks are going to be say, "Yay, let's put more of that on the network"? So, as an integrator, that's something. Security is important at the appliance level. Yes, it's great you have a firewall. Congratulations. However. I may not go through the firewall. I may go around it to an appliance that's already reaching out that you've put requirements into your network to allow it to reach out. Well, and it's silly stuff like a warehouse barcode scanner that lives on the network that talks to, uh, you know, a firmware updater in the cloud. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's literally something that simple. It doesn't have to be an overly complex device. No. Uh, I mean, even even the cameras that are recording this this podcast are on our network. Yes. If they were vulnerable, they could potentially be leveraged. Absolutely. Uh, not to mention a you know a video I mean, streaming product. Oh yeah. And so so network security becomes it's you know it's as important as the video quality is the network security side of these things. Um, because we are impacting the network. You know, if, if a meeting room doesn't work and they can't get video, does anybody get fired? Maybe. I mean, not, ma- ma- not maybe typically. not. But not typically. <laughs> but if we take down the network, does That's... the IT guy get fired? He might. I'm sure it's happened. Yeah, I'm sure it's happened too. And, and so that's, you know, that's the, that's what we got to think about. We're talking about IT and, and how we impact those folks is that we could literally impact their livelihood with this. Um, yeah. So it just business can go on without one meeting room. It can't network now. It it just, it can't happen. Well, it's not even, you know, a a breach like that. Likely they did not take down the network. They just utilized it until they were shut out. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if, if you're, and, and we're kind of getting down in the weeds here, but if you're really interested in hacking somebody, you want to do it without being recognized until you gain everything you need. And then you could exit without anyone And knowing. then you exit and, yeah. and you move on. Uh, if you do silly things and expose vulnerabilities, you're, you're going to, you know, you may not get caught, but those vulnerabilities are going to be, are, are going to be exposed and, and be rectified. Right. They're going to be closed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, I just wanted to talk about that. And then on the bandwidth thing, you know, we're talking about 10 gig versus one gig, right? The one thing that comes up and, and you'll hear is compression. So, what is the size of an HD base T 4K 60 signal, right? It's with deep color. It's well, eight. I mean, on this on this oh, chart, yeah, yeah, we're perfect. looking up here. It's uh, I mean, 4.48 is the approximate data rate once it's gig a second for, for, for 1080p. For 1080p, yeah. 60, right? Yeah, yeah 10, 1080p 60. All of those are 60. Yep. 4K 30 is 8.96, so we'll call it nine gig a second. Yeah, and so uh, 4K 60 would be double that. Well, earlier we were talking about HD base T and perceived latency and, and all of that stuff. I mean, even the data rate involved in a 4K 60 HD base T is 18 gig. Yes, exactly. So we know that transferring data in general is going to have a latency impact. Sure. Yeah. So when we talk about one gig versus 10 gig, we're talking, I mean, there's still for 4K 60 deep color, you know, you're still looking at a two to one compression to get that out. Um, and compressions, not not the enemy. It really isn't. It's the algorithms to get from point to point that really do it. What are you using to encode? What are you using to decode? And what does your video signal look like? You know, we do these comparisons. I just had to do one a month ago where we went in and the end user wanted to see our product versus somebody else's product. And I remember we're in the middle of this demonstration and we're looking at a streaming box versus a streaming box. And I'm thinking it about halfway through it. Well, that's dumb. But why are we comparing it to another streaming box? Who cares what the other streaming box looks like? Why don't we compare it to the HDMI signal raw? Because that's really what we're trying to reproduce. And that's what we need to be comparing the video signals to in a stream is the actual HDMI direct connect signal. If it can look like that, you're golden. No other demonstration needed. That's what we need to be comparing these two because there are always chinks in the armor when it comes to these um, encoding and decoding algorithms. There always is. You know, does it do motion really well? Absolutely. How's it do on still pictures? And where do our systems live? Our systems live in PowerPoint, Excel, and doing conferencing 90% of the time. Those are not motion videos. We need fixed video. And so we need a product that does both. 
and that that's one of the reasons that we flipped over to, to into picks. It just does a better job with some of the areas where JPEG two thousand um, was fine, but it could have been better. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that that brings us into talking about streaming protocols or algorithms, oh, right? I'm, yeah, I mean, that. no, you're good. Yeah. So part of what um, what I wanted to talk about was Intipix versus JPEG two thousand versus. Mm-hmm. H.265, which is replacing H.264, so right. we'll skip over H.264. And then the elusive AVB, which uh, we joked earlier offline or off-air that AVB is kind of the the display port of the <laughs> streaming world. It's a great product, but nobody seemed to, seemed to pick up on it. Uh, the, the most common, um, to me, seems to be JPEG 2000 and H.265. Right. Yes. Well, and, and and to me the uh, and Chris, I'd I'd love to hear your input on this as well. Um, I keep monopolizing the, the microphone <laughs> oh, here. No, I apologize. Um, to me, the um, the the thing when we talk about these different protocols and we look at AVB, you know, Chris, you said you've been doing this twelve years. Twelve years ago, when you went in and you talked to an end user or went in and installed because we were you were installing at that point. You guys were making one-off systems that were made for that customer, specific for that customer's needs. Heck, we were still putting source components dedicated to that room in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we were terminating B and Cs until our fingers bleed. Absolutely. All day. All day. <laughs> all day. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it was just a whole different world. Um, but the reality is that's what people needed, and that's what, that's what the industry required, and that's what people needed in their me- meeting spaces was these one-off systems. Today, if I went in and started talking to an end user, an education or an enterprise person about, we're going to build this system for you, and it's going to be one-off. You're the only one in the world that's going to have one like this. It would be like dismissing the IT person in the meeting. You wouldn't get a second meeting. They don't want specialized. They want generalized. They want repeatable. They want that same user experience. They want it across everything they're doing. And when you start talking about, oh, everything's great on your network except for this is going to be specialized, even if it's a good product, you're going to run into some 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 hands up and some drawbacks from that, unfortunately. And um, with, with the specialized, I mean, to to help support it, I mean, you almost need an expert for every single room because each room is completely different than the other yeah. and everything else. And then that's what a lot you, we hear all the time now. Oh yeah, we want to get a generalized idea and roll it out everywhere, where it's you can walk into each room and it's it's running the same stuff everywhere where I know how, how this one works and I can go into this room. I know how this room works. We'll get into flex on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a good plug there, Mark. Yeah. Well, Chris, Chris just walked me right to it. Man. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. That is what they want. The support side, it gets back to what we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. which is the user experience, you know, the, the, the ownership experience. Okay. Well, Robert, you and I were discussing, earlier as well, unicast versus multicast. And I think that's another one of those um, network-related topics that doesn't come up enough. It doesn't, like, in my opinion, it probably should be one of the questions asked up there with, what's the latency? What's the bandwidth? Is it unicast? Is it multicast? Can it do either? You know, and and so I, I think part of the mysticism in this case is, what is unicast? What is multicast? 
Chris? Uh, well, I mean, your unicast is going to be your a lot along your your point to point sort of things. Uh, your multicast is going to be your one to many. You're just using up. I mean, it gets to a point with your unicast versus multicast where eventually you're going to start using way more bandwidth on if you're doing just unicast everywhere. You switch over to multicast where everything's kind of picking up on the same stream. Well, that's kind of why I mentioned it needs to be brought up with the bandwidth conversation. And, and the networking conversation, too. Right. I mean, if you look at Unicast, what do you have to do in your network switch if all I'm doing is communicating with Chris all the time? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what goes on in the other ports, right? Because we have a one-to-one relationship right. in Unicast. As soon as I dump a multicast stream into that network switch, all of a it's, sudden now it's saying I'm available on all the ports. everywhere, And so your switch configuration becomes vital, or you just flooded the network. You know, you Which can, is very easy to do if oh, it's not set up right. Oh, yeah. It can happen. Yeah. Done it. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. Took out a complete network on a demo one time. The guy swore up and down. He had it configured the way that we had sent him, and I went out there and plugged the box in, and um, it, it wasn't ready. Oh, no. So, yeah. It, it was a complete ISD. Were you buying lunch that day? Or? Um, no, but there was a lot of folks running around at the ISD trying to figure out why every computer in the ISD just went down. Um, because got a great story job. about how I, t- yeah. I took down the entire Las Vegas Valley Water District. Nice. We can get into that at a different time. Yeah. Was it multicast or unicast? Right? Oh, no, it wasn't anything like that. Was it wasn't anything so, like that? You no. know what's funny is so we, we call those, some people look at those as failures. I call those as learning curves. Oh, yeah. Learning experiences. I, I learned that from now on, you know, I verify 17 times. Can I see the configurator? Yeah, let me take a look at that. All right, you got any rooms in use right now? No? Are you sure? Let's go do a tour. Now let's plug in. Which comes back to the relationship with whoever's setting up their, their IT on yes. on site. I mean, they tell you it's all configured right and everything else. You take their word for it and dump a encoder on the network, and all of a sudden their entire network goes down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was 18 sites. <laughs> well, a, a properly set up, you know, layer 3 switch with multicast routing enabled mm-hmm. uh, using... Crestron's NVX product in this case right. can save a ton of bandwidth, especially if we're talking about three or four sources Absolutely. sent out to 80 or some odd displays. At that point, you know, while we've called out a gig per port, we're not really using a gig no. per port in this case. No. Uh, we end up using, you know, seven to nine gig total, and and we're able to to stream it out all over a large campus network in this case. Yeah. And, and with, with the MVX product, the, the bandwidth adjustable, you know, you can bring it down to 200 meg per video signal. Uh, don't expect the same clarity as you get at 750, but you will get a video signal. You can push video out across. If you're running 1080p, do you really need 750? No, you, you don't. And you're going to get a perfectly fine video signal at, at a lower uh, bandwidth. So, you know, that's, that's a yeah. good point. The, the bandwidth. Well, and that's where you also just need to know that, have knowledge on how their network is constructed. If they've only got, you know, a one gig fiber between their, their switches and all that kind of stuff, I can't dump <laughs> six transmitters on one switch at 750 and expect it to get to all of it. It's going to be a little tough. Right. Well, and yeah. what I hear you saying, though, is we have that flexibility in, in most AV over IP streaming products, including Crestron's NVX product. Oh, yes. Well, I know that ours has it. I know of two or three others that have it. I'm sure there's some that don't, but for the most part, they most of them have it. You know, the other thing we talk, go back going back to one thing we talked about standards earlier, and one of the charts you, you have it right here. 
So the SDVOE folks that say they have a standard, that's not a standard. That's a club. <laughs> I mean, that's a club of folks that got together and said, look, we're going to agree to buy this board and we're going to do a 10 gig video over IP solution. But show me somewhere in the industry of the people that actually write video standards where that's a standard. It's not a standard. It, it's, it's a bunch of folks and they say that it's all interoperable. Is it? We don't have a single dashboard to control all those. You don't have the ability to plug and play and monitor all those from a single place. Um, we get back to that user experience, and that's another one when you talk about is XIO Cloud and how that changes the user experience. Um, that's oh, hold on, back up, back up. If, if we're going to talk products, what's XIO Cloud? I mean, I know what XIO Cloud is, oh, but you're just going to throw I'm it so out there. I'm glad like, you asked. <laughs> well, you're going to throw it out there like everybody knows you took, what, what we're talking about. You, you took that perfect, yeah. Um, so, no, XIO Cloud is our management deployment con- configuration software that lets you uh, deploy all of your Crestron products from a single dashboard. You can monitor them. You can see whether they're online or offline. You can change configurations on them. Um, the flex conversation that, that we want to have later, it will come into more play with that. Um, but today, the nice thing is with scheduling panels, for instance, you guys as an integrator. So we look as a manufacturer, we've got to go out. You know, Our goal every year is growth, as, sure. um, as yours is, right? I mean, that's all our goals is growth every single year. How do we grow as a manufacturer and not say, Robert, Corey, Chris, this is what we need you to do. I need you to hire more people so we can grow. That, that is not realistic from a manufacturing perspective if we're truly approaching this as a partnership. Our responsibility is to create tools and products that allow you to grow and deploy more of our products without having to grow your staff. Now, we hope you grow your staff because you're growing at a, at a larger rate than what we're ga- gaining by saving you time with the products that we're deploying, right? Sure. So XIO Cloud is our, is our way of going about and deploying all these. We talk about scheduling panels, which is a whole other conversation, but it's an, it's an easy example for XIO Cloud. What level of technician do you need on site to install a scheduling panel? Um, I mean, how do we say this politically? We don't say low level. But we you, you we say level C. It's sales, so, yeah. A salesperson could do it. Yeah. We, right? That, that I mean, hurts so, a little bit. So <laughs> someone who can basically operate a, um, a sheetrock saw. Sure. Which a salesperson's questionable on that. I get it. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that that but, was worse than what I said. Yeah, I'm just putting that, that on record. Honestly, also has to terminate an RJ45. And you got to so, terminate I mean, an RJ45. Okay, but but where, where I'm we'll going with that is, level B. We'll, yeah, that's level B. <laughs> you don't B. touch that. Um, so, but where I'm going with that is, so you can install one easily. Now, what does it take to configure that scheduling panel and get it configured and working with their scheduling platform? What level of technician does that take? Mm-hmm. Is that still your C-level person or is that your B-level? Is that your A-level? Well, it depends on your, on your uh, infrastructure within your, um, within your company. So what if you could say that, okay, Chris, you're the, the, pro, the lead programmer here and the guy that runs the programming division here at Taurus, and I could say, Chris, we're going to do 35 scheduling panels at this facility. And here's the MAC address and the serial numbers for all of these. And I need you to get them configured so that because this weekend, my daughter and I, we're going to go out there and we're going to cut these in and install them. And on Monday when they come in, I want them working. Now, all of a sudden, we've totally leveraged your ability to go out and use your trim level guys to install and get things up and running because Chris did all the pre-configuration in XAO Cloud. So Otherwise, that, you're saying, i got to go out there on Saturday. But you want to t- fix that. Typically. Typically, <laughs> right. typically, yeah, you're on site doing that. Or you're on the phone or you're, or you're um, conferencing in, you know, viewing in to, to their team, viewing in to their laptop to be able to do all that. 
Um, now you don't have to do that uh, with XIO Cloud. So that's that, that's the that's what it is. It's um, it's a new product for us, uh, but it's a it's a software based solution that is uh, really gonna um, it's changing the way that we do business um, every single day because we're one of the things that we've done at Creston and that we fully believe in is we have to stop taking the traditional AV approach to these systems or we're going to lose out. As AV companies, we have to do it more the way that the IT folks do it because they do mass deployments, they do remote management, they do all this stuff and have for years. We've got to be able to do that with our AV products. So. Well, and, you know, we keep referring to it as AV over IP. Yeah. In a couple of years, it won't be AV over over IP. It's just going to be IP. It's not. Yeah. There's not going to yeah. be a delineation in conversation as it relates to, I live in this subset and you live in this subset, and somehow right. we all have to 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 work together. Um, really, it's just going to be one organic environment. Yeah. And what it's going to what what's going to happen is we're all going to become network engineers, and I, that's that's there are going to yeah. be people in our industry. Uh, on both sides, manufacturing, integration, mm -hmm. and we're going to have to adapt or die. Yeah, and I hope everybody listening heard what Corey just said. We're going to have to become network engineers. If you're in AV and you're not focusing on growing your chops and, and networking, um, you're behind. You That is critical to the future of, of our it, industry. And, and it goes both ways. Not only us as integrators need to be more versed in all the network, but the yeah. client side, their network engineers need to become more first yeah. in AV. It's, I mean, they're both they're both coming together. It's getting dumped in their lap every right. day, whether it they is. want it or not. I, I yeah. had many meetings with their their network engineer, and, I mean, they look at me starry-eyed with the height. <laughs> they're deer in they're headlights, aren't they? What to my network, basically. And they, We're almost well. spending as much time educating on AV over IP as we are actually integrating it right now yeah. with so many of our customers. And we have... Uh, I would say a good amount of customers in the Fortune 500, mm -hmm. and and to come in and to talk to them about AV over IP is a little scary. It, it throws up a lot of red flags and paranoia in the IT staff, and I think mm -hmm. um, security, talking about that, talking about how someone like us, we, we can even stand up a network dedicated to AV over IP, which we've just recently done on a fairly large project where, you know, Taurus has actually designed the entire network that's going to run that traffic Mm -hmm. uh, and all that control and all that audio and video. So I think that's important to know. We've we've kind of been touching on in our entire conversation that that customers network needs to have this. And and don't get me wrong, there's still customer network interaction, but there is the possibility of standing up a system that can support all of your needs uh, autonomous to to your traditional day to day traffic. I don't. Yeah. And and while we are doing that, that's that's because it's scary and the customer is not quite ready. And it's coming down the pipe and we're trying to give them a technology that's going to uh, surpass what maybe HD base T HD base T is doing today. Yeah. So, so we've opted to stand up these, these networks to run that, but that's not really the intention. The intention is to dump this stuff on the customer's network. Yes. And uh, we're just kind of circumventing that today yeah and well, it's a good middle of the road right we we get to give them the latest and greatest technology uh, a world-class network to run it on and they don't have to fear for for their their data's sake if, in this case right yeah yeah and it, you know they're just still scared they don't know what they don't know yeah. it's still the, you know to them to you know use that term again it's the wild wild west for them 
and they don't want us as AV people touching their network. And it just it's just a fear factor for them. Well, hopefully and, this podcast has helped educate a few people um, on this subject. And, and again, I mentioned earlier, is it worthwhile having, uh, you know, a deep dive conversation about network? Is anybody even interested in, in, in hearing that, whether it's our own customers, whether it's potential AV integrators listening to this or, or sales folks or programmers, design engineers, whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that um, if, if people want to hear more uh, about some deep dive and particulars around AV over IP, we want to educate those people. So um, I hope that uh, anybody that does want that, they can reach out to us at our email address at info at Um Just in closing, we want to we want to say thank you so much to Chris Meacham for being here. I mean, he, he offices here, but he's here in this room with us. And and also he thank you, Mark time. Mark Harrison with Crestron. Uh, we really appreciate your time. I think you're you're so knowledgeable, and it, it's awesome to hear you speak about these technologies. And we look forward to doing a few more of these together. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This is this is a pretty cool room, guys. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. this really is. Thanks. You guys did a great job. The Brainiacs over here, uh, yeah. you know, they take care of it. I just get to sit here in the chair. Well, you're you're the you're the pretty face. Man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to go over one more thing real quick. Okay, I'll, I'll make it super sure. quick. So we talked about the one gig versus 10 gig and, you know, how many ports. And when we talk about when they measure network switches or they don't measure network switches that are sold because was it a one, was it an eight port? Was it a 24 yeah. port? They measure the number of ports. How many 10 gig ports were sold last year? Man, Is this a quiz? I it's, don't think it's, 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 it's less than one to 10 for versus one gig ports. Wow. So is the infrastructure out there to support a 10 gig video over IP solution? That is not where we are seeing the growth. That is not what I'm hearing from the people that I talk to. That is not where they're moving. They're not, they're not moving towards 10 gig. The infrastructure cost is still too high. You're looking at specialized cabling. Sure. You're looking at a lot of other things where what people are talking about is this new level that's coming in, this intermediary level, if you will, this up to five gig switches. And so that's their, the predictions are, that in the next two years, those are those sales are going to surpass 10 gig, uh, and probably in the next 12 months they'll, they'll surpass it because at just the it still runs on a typical cat five. Yeah. So the infrastructure wiring is already going to support it. I mean, I really see it. Just we all sitting here at this table have been in this industry long enough to see things like uh, standard definition migrate and people hold on to it for so long and. I remember it, it just didn't seem that long ago when someone said, no, I got to have, have to have that VGA connection. Um, <laughs> we probably don't even need HDMI. And, and those are the customers that we talk to more frequently because now they realize that, <laughs> you know, I wasn't just a sales guy standing in front of them saying yeah. that. And, and I feel like that AV over IP is the same way. I feel like that people like Crestron, mm-hmm. um, I, I hate to say it negatively, but are really going to force the hands of, of customers because that's the way that this is going. Yeah. Uh, and just like you can't hardly go out and, and find a, a piece of technology that will allow you to send an S video signal 500 feet. I don't even know if they, they have those anymore. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just like that same respect where you really can't find those pieces. I feel like that this industry is going to take us and force us into that. So Really, the, the moral of, of this is that customers need to be educated. We want to help them do that. And we want to, to ease them into AV over IP before it becomes really a necessity versus 
hey, this is a this is a new way of doing things. Well, the nice thing is we still have the HD based T solution yes. for that. You know, so the video over IP um, is going to come. I mean, it really is. It's just it's a matter of when, not if. When's the last time any of you did anything out in public and walked into a space, whether it was a restaurant with your family or walking into a store, into a mall, whatever, or even out visiting with customers that you didn't hear, at least hear audio, but usually hear audio and see video? And yeah. Oh, yeah. That, I'm, I'm critiquing it all the time. I know. I know. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a well, curse, isn't it? It's, 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 it's a curse. It's background it to everybody else but us. Yeah. 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 I'm looking at wiring behind TVs. Oh, it drives my wife yeah. crazy. Oh, no. Yeah. It's no different from a furniture designer. They walk into every space, and they're touching things and my, moving my them around. My girlfriend's constantly like, what are you doing? As I'm leaning over, looking behind the, the projector that's up there, and I'm just shaking my head. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, can you see that? She goes, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's hung with some chicken wire. Yeah. That's never a yeah. good idea. I wouldn't sit there. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Well, thanks again. For you guys, I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your your busy morning. Thanks for Robert for thanks to Robert for hosting us. Uh, you have anything else? No, no. Uh, just thanks again, um, my counterpart Corey Church and Robert Parsons. Thanks again to Chris and Mark, and um, we hope to have you guys back listening soon. I look forward to it, cool. man. Thank you guys very thanks much good. for allowing us in here today. Thanks, thanks guys. Everybody.